This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley. Honor, a privilege, actually, to fill in for Guy today. Guy will be back next week. And you know, he offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective, where Guy blends major newsmaking guests. We're going to cover that in just a moment. A steady stream of Fox News all-stars, along with his passionate and informed monologues. The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America. Welcome to a very busy news day on The Guy Benson Show. Here's what's going to be happening. We'll be joined by Niall Gardner, a foreign policy analyst. And if you're going to talk about the United Kingdom in general and what's going on right now in particular, uh, that's who you want. And, of course, the Guy Benson Show has him. We have a story. I've got to thank Wyatt for this. He is a fabulous historian. Who is Larry the Cat? We'll tell you coming up in about a half an hour. Another great guest. I predict he will be the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee in about six months. He's a distinguished congressman from the great state of Texas, Kevin Brady, on The Guy Benson Show later today. We'll be talking about the new border wall. Hmm, interesting. I thought President Biden didn't like border walls, but there is a new border wall that he is supporting uh, that will separate Santiago, to quote um, uh, the anchorman, San Diego and Tijuana. Hmm, interesting. Gordon Chang, who is an expert on all things China, will join the program. Yes, we talked yesterday about it. We'll be talking about it again today. WNBA star Brittany Griner. No doubt you've heard she's pled guilty. I think there's more to this. And, and hopefully the guilty plea, although it sounds counterintuitive at first uh, glance, hopefully that's a good thing because she'll be getting the heck out of there, and that will make all Americans happy. Liz Peake will join us as well, Miranda Devine, Laptop from Hell, and a whole lot more. It is my distinct privilege and honor to tell you just a little bit about Niall Gardner, who has a tremendous pedigree. Uh, his background is incredible, and the conversation we have uh, coming up this moment is extremely relevant and current. Niall is a foreign policy analyst and expert, former aide to the great Margaret Thatcher, where Niall is the director of the Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom at the Heritage Foundation. Joining us now on the Guy Benson Show, on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, is Niall Gardner. Niall, welcome to Guy's program. It's a great pleasure to be here. Thanks very much for having me on the show today. Well, you're great at what you do, so we're going to take full advantage right here, right now. For those who just assume that because Prime Minister Boris Johnson says so, that he'd like to stay, it seems as though the average time is a couple of months to now select a new conservative leader. Does, is that just now understood? Is that accepted? He'll stay? 
until his replacement is selected? Well, that's a very good question. So, so Boris Johnson today uh, declared that he would uh, remain as the um, the leader of the Conservative Party and, and thereby the Prime Minister until the beginning of October, which is when the Conservative Party conference takes place in Birmingham, in England. Uh, so uh, so that, that's the Prime Minister's sort of declaration of intent. Now, having said that, um, a, a significant number of Conservative MPs have come out calling for Boris Johnson to actually step down much sooner. And so the pressure will be on the Prime Minister to go earlier and uh, to make way uh, for an interim you know, Prime Minister who would oversee the leadership uh, contest. And most likely that would be the Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab uh, as, the, as the, the, the lead candidate for uh, the interim uh, you know, a Prime Minister sort of role. But Boris is insisting he's going to stay until October. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. Uh, you know, the speed of events in London over the last few days has been absolutely incredible. I think uh, hardly anyone would have predicted a week ago that Boris would be announcing his resignation today. Agreed. Uh, so anything could happen in the next in the next few days, frankly, with regard to, uh, you know, uh, whether Boris goes, uh, you know, in the next in the next couple of weeks or whether he stays on until October. They obviously had the power to take him down if they wanted to in that recent vote of no confidence. He survived it. Obviously, more came about. More ministers resigned. Last number we saw was 42. Maybe they stopped now that he said he's leaving. There's no reason for people, I would think, to just keep you know proving a point and trying to push him out. But wasn't his greatest leverage before he announced that? In other words, Niall, I don't know if it would work this way in the wonderful United Kingdom, but, but I, I look at these things as though your most powerful moment when you're about to give your adversaries what they want and you're going to agree to step down is to cut your best deal at that time. If he didn't cut his best deal at that time, anything is possible, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's right. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, one of the remarkable things about Boris Johnson is that he has been an extraordinary, you know, political uh, survivor with, yeah. you know, with basically nine, nine lives. And he's used up, I think, about eight of those lives <laughs> already. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, and Boris is, uh, you know, there have been very few politicians like him, I think, in modern British history. And you know, I've had the chance to you know, meet him on a number of occasions. He's a very charismatic, very likable figure. Uh, but, you know, the, the scale of all, the opposition that had built up to him within the Conservative Party, the number of scandals that had been, you know, placed at the door of Downing Street, um, just became in, insurmountable for, for Boris Johnson. Um, and so his, his final act here, of course, is to say that he's, he's still going to be the PM for the next, uh, you know, a few months. But uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to quite complete the sort of you know, Houdini act of, <laughs> of staying in Down Street until, until October. That remains to be seen. You know, the knives are certainly being sharpened for him right now by, by a lot of conservative backbenchers, former ministers who have, you know, departed his government in, in droves. Uh, and uh, but, you know, Boris, though, he, you know, he is like uh, un- unlike any other sort of politician, I think, is of, you know, of his his time. So uh, so let, let, let's see what happens. I never underestimate, underestimate Boris Johnson. Yeah, I hear uh, you. I, he now, I hear you. Yeah. ability to, to survive in the most difficult circumstances. He has shown it. Niall Gardner on the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline, foreign policy analyst extraordinaire. Now, in terms of why now? It wasn't that long ago he survived the no confidence vote. So people were hanging in there. Is this one of those death of a thousand cuts? Finally, the straw, I could, we'll make it the cliche hour, the straw that broke the camel's back. Did, yeah. did any one thing 
tip this to where it was untenable? You know, I think that, you know, your, your, your comment there, this was death by a thousand cuts, is actually very accurate because there, there were a multitude of, you know, various, um, you know, scandals, as it were, that were undermining the, you know, the prime minister and, and his government. Uh, and you had, uh, you know, a number of conservative MPs, for example, who had to resign in disgrace, prompting by-elections that were catastrophically bad for the Conservatives. So I think it all added up, ultimately, to uh, a state of uh, perceived decay and disrepair with regard to Boris Johnson's administration. And, you know, Boris is a tremendous campaigner. He's great when he's campaigning in elections or, you know, winning the uh, Brexit referendum or taking on Vladimir Putin on the world stage, for example. But he hasn't been a very effective you know, domestic leader. And I think he's, he's found the, the day-to-day job of running the government actually quite dull. Uh, and, and so uh, he hasn't really paid a great deal of attention uh, to a lot of the detail of, of running the country. Yeah. And that, I think, ultimately has let him down because a prime minister who doesn't pay close attention to the details can often be, uh, you know, uh, pulled up. Uh, and, and that's what happened with, with Boris Johnson. So uh, I think you're absolutely right when you say this is death by a thousand cuts. That's what's happened to Boris Johnson. And there have been at least several hundred cuts to his, his administration uh, in, in ver- various ways. You know, the wounds that he suffered, I think, have been, have been immense. And ultimately, you know, I think he just ran out of, out of you know, goodwill and time, basically. And it all culminated this, this week. And, and eventually uh, the whole edifice has sort of collapsed. Niall, this unbreakable relationship that, that we refer to for generations after generations as the special relationship, United Kingdom and the United States of America. Tony Blair, when, when he took one for the team, when President Bush was doing what he was doing and it was very unpopular, and Tony Blair stayed, stayed with President Bush. I uh, had a lot of respect for him for that. Uh, I can't prove this, but I suspect it. It doesn't seem like Boris Johnson had a great relationship with President Biden. Now, as I say that, Niall, I also don't believe anything. Nothing's ever been it bubbled over the top of the surface to, to say that it's been terrible. But it doesn't seem like they have a great relationship. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, that's true. I think there's been a lot of tension between uh, Boris Johnson and Joe Biden. And you've seen that recently over the Northern Ireland Protocol. Yeah issue. And uh, uh, also, uh, you know, it's important to bear in mind that, you know, the Joe Biden um, White House has been very anti-Brexit. Yep. And a lot of, uh, you know, Biden staffers are former Obama officials. Uh, Boris Johnson was very critical of, of uh, President Obama. Yeah. Especially Obama's decision to remove the bust of Winston Churchill from the Oval Office. Yep. Which terrible. Boris Johnson strongly condemned. Yep. Uh, and, you know, the, the Obama officials now dominate the Biden administration. They don't like Boris Johnson. So that's, that's the reality. There you go. Um, in my view, I mean, Boris Johnson should, should be much tougher in confronting Joe Biden, you know, and I hope the next prime minister actually will, will stand up more to Biden because I think Biden's been absolutely appalling in terms of, you know, how his treatment of Britain. I do. I agree. That's why I brought it up. I absolutely appreciate that answer. And by the way, while uh, Boris Johnson was criticizing Obama, by extension, he was criticizing Biden as well the vice president. So he, he had bad feelings going into this. Now, now we have this situation where the conservatives will select a new conservative leader and that conservative leader becomes the new prime minister 
of the United Kingdom. It, is it – I've seen everything from it's like wide open. Is there anyone that you believe has the upper hand at the moment? Yeah, excellent question. You know, it's a very strong field. I would say there are at least 10 contenders who are, you know, realistic potential, uh, you know, winners. Uh, And so it's a very big field. It's a strong bench. Uh, I would identify three or four as as the front runners. So firstly, Liz Truss, the foreign secretary. Secondly, Ben Wallace, the defense secretary, who's been really outstandingly good on Ukraine. Um, I think thirdly, uh, there is a Rishi Sunak, the former chancellor of the Exchequer, who resigned, of course, a couple of days ago. Uh, I think Sunak is, is, a, is a very strong uh, contender as well. Uh, but also, if you throw into the mix, uh, you know, figures like uh, Penny Mordaunt, uh, who's a trade minister, uh, Sajid Javid, the health secretary, uh, Nadim Zahawi, who's now the chancellor, the former education secretary. I think the, these are all strong, uh, strong contenders for the leadership of the Conservative Party. And they include, you know, figures like you know, Liz Truss, Ben Wallace, for example, are very strong, you know, Thatcherites. I think they would do a great job. Um, I, I think there are one or two contenders for the Conservative Party who are more on the left of the party who, who I think would not be good for the leadership. And so it's a mixed bag. But, but, but I think that there are some very, very strong figures who are in contention. Um, and, and the Conservative Party has a very strong bench of candidates. So that, that's a positive, I think. Niall, I don't want this to be true, but we have to leave in about 45 seconds or so. I'll squeeze this in because I think it is very important. Should Vladimir Zelensky be concerned or would any conservative leader be acceptable and keep the same or similar philosophy of governance, if you will, relative to Ukraine? Your thoughts about that? Yeah, I know the Ukrainians are very concerned about Boris Johnson's party. You know, Boris Johnson is very popular in Ukraine. Yeah. In fact, he's a hero to the Ukrainian people. Uh, I would hope the next uh, you know, prime minister will follow in Boris Johnson's footsteps and advance very robust, strong support for Ukraine. I think, I think that is highly likely to be the case uh, with almost any of the candidates. So uh, you know, I think British support for Ukraine will remain very strong and very, very powerful. Uh, and, and so I, I do think the Ukrainians can be reassured on that front. But you know, Boris is a hugely popular figure among the Ukrainian people, and rightly so, because he's just been a tremendous friend of, of Ukraine and, and a very strong opponent for Vladimir Putin. So whoever follows in Boris's footsteps, I think, have to, you know, have to really uh, implement the same approach on, on Ukraine and Russia. Niall, I want to stretch 30 seconds. Uh, your answer in 30 seconds, I know it's brutal, it's tough, because this question is very dynamic. Will Boris Johnson be remembered for how he served for three years as prime minister of the United Kingdom or how he left? You know, I think that, I mean, I hope that he will be remembered for um, some of the big achievements, especially the delivery of Brexit was, was a phenomenal achievement. I mean, this was a massive, a positive development for the United Kingdom. And also, I think he should be remembered for his leadership on, uh, on Ukraine as well. I mean, that, that's very important. But, I mean, no doubt a lot of the pundits will, uh, you know, will always recall Boris Johnson uh, in the, through the lens of his last couple of days. And I, I think that's a misrepresentation overall of, of his overall accomplishment. Uh, you know, I do think he, you know, he has his place in history guaranteed for what he did on Brexit. He should re- be remembered as a very consequential prime minister as a result of that. On this British political bombshell of a day, Niall, you were the perfect guest to open up the program with. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. 
Have a great day. All the best. It's my pleasure. Many thanks for having me on the show today. Good to be with you. What a gentleman. We'll be back. It is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back next week. Well, we have associate producer Wyatt to thank for this. I never heard of Larry the Cat until today. But now we all will not forget exactly who Larry the Cat is. Larry the Cat is an official resident at 10 Downing Street. That would be sort of like the White House, if you will. He is a brown and white tabby. He has earned an official title. They call Larry the Cat Chief Mouser. Larry the Cat has survived three prime ministers of the United Kingdom. David Cameron, Theresa May, and now Boris Johnson. And who knows? Who knows what will happen? I mean, when you fill this the way this is going to be filled, who knows if this will be a caretaker and then there'll be yet another that Larry the Cat uh, can survive. We know this much. I don't know exactly how old uh, Larry the Cat is, but I know Larry the Cat is at least 11 years old because that's the period of time that Larry the Cat has outlasted three prime ministers, Cameron, May, and Johnson. So it's quite a story. Uh, Cameron is the one that brought Larry the Cat to 10 Downing Street. They didn't have a mouse. They had a rat, it seems. Not a political rat in the woodwork, but they had a rat. And so Larry the Cat was brought in to take care of the rat, and then the rest is history. Larry is an official resident of 10 Downing Street. Pretty cool story. Not surprised. I've gotten to know Wyatt over the past three years, and he's just fantastic on uh, historical information, things that most of us have never heard about before. So thank you, Wyatt, for a great story that we could share with the uh, Guy Benson Show audience. We have a great program that will continue here today on the Guy Benson Show. When we come back in just a little bit, we will be joined by the man that I believe will be the next chairman of the United States House of Representatives House and Ways and Means Committee. The House Ways and Means Committee, every spending measure originates in the House of Representatives. This position is huge. Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas joins us next on The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back on uh, beginning of next week. Now, this is uh, couldn't be more relevant, uh, could not be more important. I mean, the American people have they've seen what has gone on for the past year and a half. We go from two dollars a gallon to some. It depends. Pick your state. Five, six, seven dollars a gallon, and even higher. And forget about it if you need diesel. So you look at where we were. We were uh, energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. And by the way, we're, we're exporting oil right now that I don't think we should be exporting under the current circumstances. It was fine when we had all we needed. So there's a lot to unpack here. If I am correct, and I think I will be proven correct and mark the tape, when the people speak, the American people speak on November 8th, United States Congressman Kevin Brady will be headed back to be chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, which, if you know your history, all spending measures originate in the House. It is such an important committee. It's such an important position. And we see what this this inflation is not Russia, 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 Putin, 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 oil executives and every every blame uh, candidate that, that the president can find. It is a byproduct of how we spent and it just set this this disastrous spiral in terms of this um, hyperinflation that we are dealing with. Joining us on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is the distinguished gentleman from the great state of Texas, the ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee, Congressman Kevin Brady. Congressman Brady, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Well, Harry, thanks for having me. Appreciate that. I think I think you're right on target here. I think most Americans have, have learned that Joe Biden's economy is a very cruel economy. Ooh. These prices, look, an average family is going to spend $5,500 more this year just to buy the same things they did last year. That is a huge pay cut. We've got new reports that show 26 million Americans have wiped out their savings wow. trying to keep up with these prices. Uh, new reports uh, they just keep rolling in. A lot of people are beginning to skip meals, uh, eliminate meat, use their credit cards for the daily essentials. And, and one thing I, I found shock, shocking a couple days ago, one out of four Americans uh, are forced now, say, they are forced to delay their retirement because they can't make ends meet yeah. under Joe Biden's economy. And, and that's before we get to all these burdens on our local small businesses. I think you're exactly right. We're working Americans are just crushed under the president. And I don't know how, why he's going to Ohio or touting his economic record because, man, everyone has lost confidence in him. Oh, it's a terrible one. I mean, you saw the latest polling data, Congressman Brady. Ten percent of the American people think we're on the right track. Have you ever have you ever witnessed that in your lifetime? I mean, that is that is hard no. to achieve. His own party no, is in that 90 percentile. Yeah, it is. And, and for good reason. Look at just the way he's all the mistake he's let. He bungled the economy. He bungled the covid recovery. We're in Texas. So we're seeing just tragic humanitarian deaths uh, here at the border, rising crime. I think working women, I think uh, right now have it the worst they've had in decades between a dangerous baby shortage, 
uh, rising oh. crime in their neighborhoods, obviously higher prices. But if they're a women-owned business, you know, they can't find the workers they need, and they've got double-digit inflation. So, you know, there's a reason, according to the National Federation of Independent Business, six out of ten small businesses in America worry they're not going to survive this economy in Joe Biden's inflation. That That is a huge red flag for the country. Isn't it ironic, the American Rescue Plan, they, they always have, you know this, Affordable Care Act, which was not affordable, the, the American Rescue Plan, which not only did not rescue America, it's put us basically to the 1970s in terms of this inflation and high gas prices. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we don't have right now uh, is a supply problem with odd and even days of not being able to get. You remember yeah. those days, yeah. Congressman, they were terrible, but we're really close to exactly what Americans felt like. When you said a few minutes ago there are people skipping meals, think about one and a half years ago when every demographic was employed, uh, the country was prosperous, we had under 2% inflation. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And, and it's not the pandemic, and it's not, it's not Russia, and it's not Putin, by extension of Russia. It's President Biden's policies, isn't it? It really is. Incompetence in the White House matters. People pay a steep price for this. And, and as you were talking about, sort of that, that comparison, and paychecks were rising at record levels, especially for people of color, yep. for women, for the disabled. And they were going up twice as fast as inflation. So you weren't getting a pay cut every month. You were getting a pay raise yeah. every month. And Joe Biden, you know, turned that around on a dime. And here's, here's what scares me. They've got in the Senate, Democrats have sort of a secret plan to make inflation worse. They're still looking at a, a trillion dollar build back better plan that will fuel inflation. Uh, that's going to, to rob investment in the supply chain crisis. So we need that fixed. They're going to take that money for Washington. And I think uh, they're going to create an economic surrender to uh, Europe, to China, to Japan, to others. So they are not giving up on programs that could make the economy worse. Their policies were meant to do what they've done. For those who think yeah. that somebody else yeah, is to blame, you. this is what you get when you do what they did. And they want the high energy prices because they want to force the American people to alternative energy, which, as you know, Congressman, we're not ready. It's great. It's a great supplement. We should we should do it. And, and we should be as, you know, uh, judicious and active and busy about uh, about alternative energy as we can be. But we can't go entirely that route. We're not ready for that. No, we really aren't. And they've been bragging. Look, the Green New Deal at the heart of that is a simple proposition. Drive up energy prices as high as you can make them and then drive U.S. energy jobs. Just kill that industry. As you know, we're seeing exactly the fruits of those types of policies. The answer here uh, is that we ought to make uh, affordable energy cleaner, and we can do that. We've got the technology, we've got the innovation to do exactly that, and keep it affordable as we do it. But this this White House, they are so beholden to these really radical greenhouse or uh, green New Deal policies. It is, as you said, this is all intentional, and this is what a socialist agenda means for a working family. We can see it in a year and a half. Look what you can do. It's it's stunning. Congressman uh, Kevin Brady of Texas is our guest on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. 
no one better to talk to about this. Not only are you from a border state, you're from the border state of Texas, and you're from the state where there are more problems with what President Biden has done. And again, I think we're going to agree on this, Congressman, even though you and I haven't spoken before about this. The southern border is exactly as President Biden wants it. Secretary Mayorkas can testify before House committees. He can talk to the American people through the Democrat media. He can say we're doing a good job. He can say the border is closed. You and I both know it is wide open and it is by design. President Biden purposefully did not finish the wall, if you want to call it the wall during President Trump. Uh, The materials are there. The the contractors were contracted. The money was there. He stopped something that was already paid for. You can only do that on purpose. Yeah. No, no, no. You're exactly right. It, it is these open border policies. They're cruel. They're dangerous. Yep. And they are intentional. And we're seeing, you know, as if the sex trafficking, our region, the Houston region, worst sex trafficking region in, in the country, more drug trafficking, uh, Obviously, we've got uh, a, a surge in those crossing who are on the terrorist a watch list. But just from a humanitarian base, if, you, if the president cares about nothing else here, there have been more migrants who died on American soil under this president than any time in history. And that, that, that trailer we saw, yeah. you know, 53 and counting deaths, mm. that's the fifth trailer in recent time. That has been discovered. One of them was packed with 145 migrants. They are dying on his watch. In, in to just show a little compassion, why don't you just come to the border and see what these open border policies do to people? Uh, yeah. But but I, I, I'm like you. He doesn't care. This is what he wants to have happen, and it's just it really is uh, just cruel leadership. Is the do you agree with me? The open this is just my own philosophy about this. When I see someone do something and I rule out any other option and all that's left is what's there before us, and that is that they intend for this illegal immigration invasion to, to happen in America and we look at the numbers, numbers we've never seen before. And the problem is we don't know the difference between those who are beautiful people, which many of them are, they're fleeing tough situations, as you know, but we don't know the difference between MS thirteen, as you mentioned, the human traffickers, the drug runners and smugglers. So they all can get in under this Biden mass immigration process. And I think it's also extremely disappointing and and disrespectful to those who do the legal process, which, as you know, can take seven years. you got to come here. Then you have to leave and you can get to come back. And it takes it can take seven or more years. And there's folks just cutting in the front of the line. I'm left with only one scenario. This is a Democrat voter program. It has to be. There's, there's no reason that anyone would let people unchecked just keep flooding into the country. It's it's a terrible situation. And I, I feel for the country and I feel for our border states that that are really getting hurt by this. It's a shame. Yeah, and there is no other explanation for this. And, and you know, my worry is it's going to get worse. And, yeah. and not just because they're ending the public health emergency, Title 42. But last week, Biden administration announced that they're, they're ending the policy that said, you know, if you're if you're arrested here illegally and deported, you know, you have to wait 10 years to come in to file to do it through the through the front door of legal immigration. They're doing away with that. So you can try it sort of get in the U.S. free card. You can try as many times as you want. Yeah. No penalty. 
or trying to come through the back door has no impact, you know, on your ability to uh, apply for a green card, a visa, or, or otherwise. And they reversed the law of the land that says when you're looking at these applications, you have to consider whether they're coming over here just to be on welfare. They can use Medicaid, food stamps, you know, I mean, all of these uh, programs. That's the law of the land. You have to consider that in that application. Biden has reversed that, said we're not going to, we're not even going to abide by the law of the land. That's why in states like ours, it's just frustrating. It's just frightening what's going on there. And the president just doesn't seem to care. Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas, we have a few minutes left with the congressman. Take a listen to this audio of our president, President Biden, from yesterday. How sick and tired of you are, are you of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of getting blamed for obstructionism? I mean, the president's policies are horrifically bad, and he blames Russia, he blames Putin by name, and he blames Republicans. Uh, Dan, cut number five. Well, Republicans do nothing to obstruct our efforts to lower your gas taxes. I propose that. I've asked the Congress to eliminate the federal gas tax for the next, as long as this crisis goes on. Lower food prices, lower health care costs. Hopefully soon, lower your prescription drug costs. So it's your fault. Yeah. You know, you may not have heard this, but Democrats are calling this a dumb idea yes. and aren't taking action any, anywhere in the House or Senate on this. And we figured out, to an average family, his gas tax holiday will save you 7 bucks over three months, which will buy you, you know, a gallon, perhaps, uh, and will do nothing about lowering prices. And as you, you talked about, a reference at least, look, his strategic uh, petroleum uh, reserve you know, uh, that's going to foreign countries. Terrible. Look, he can do these gimmicks all, all, all day long. They're not working because he is attacking American-made energy, and everybody knows him. He's really running down. We're at the lowest level of our strategic yeah. petroleum reserves in a very long time. We really don't have time to go too deep into this. We've got about a minute and a half, Congressman Brady, but I am very suspicious. I believe it's a follow-the-money thing. I think it's a Biden, Inc., thing. Suddenly, the president is in favor of a border wall separating San Diego and Tijuana, uh, but not in favor of a border wall at the southern border. This doesn't compute to me. You know, uh, it doesn't for me either. But I've seen a president who has talked about we need, demanded more American oil and gas at the same time he's trying to step on the air hose and kill those industries. You see him blaming everybody for everything None of that is accurate. So it just seems to me he's trying to politically play both sides of the fence and try to fool the American public that he's pro-border security. Everyone knows that's not the case. So I, this stuff literally is coming out of left field uh, in this White House. And, and you tell me, but I don't think anyone will buy that. I agree. 30 seconds. I believe voters on November 8th are going to be voting their wallet. They're going to be voting how expensive it is to fill up their car. They're going to be voting inflation. They're going to be voting uh, against what used to be a $5 rotisserie chicken that's now $15. Uh, those are the issues, not these distractions. Uh, January 6th, I'm not saying nothing happened, but they're way out of control with what they're doing with that. And all these other things from the Supreme Court, all these other distractions I don't think any of them are going to matter. Quick comment. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I agree. And, and look, Democrats are desperate. You know, they, they know they're going to get trounced. They know that, that whole socialist agenda experiment 
you know, just failed miserably, and, and everyone has lost confidence in both one-party rule in Washington and the president as well. So, yeah, I think there's, I think the pendulum is going to swing back in a huge way in November. People want checks and balances, and by the way, they want their life back. I and mean, yeah. this is a very cool economy, and they want their life back. Congressman Brady, great to visit with you. Keep up the good work. I'll be calling you chairman you. in half a year. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Take care. See you, Chairman. Chairman Kevin Brady, you're actually ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee. When we come back, we're going to follow up on what I posed to Congressman Brady at the end of that segment. This new border wall that the president supports uh, that will separate San Diego and Tijuana, there's got to be a reason. It's because it's Biden, Inc. There's got to be a reason that we don't know. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley. Going in today, Guy will be back next week. Now, we left you with, I think, sort of a little bit of a riddle. Because you have to understand, this administration, they came in as candidates and they came in as a new administration with the same line. That we will be, I will always tell you the truth, and we know that's not true. I mean, there's so many examples of that not being true, too many to count. And we will be the most transparent administration. And we know that's not true. You, you, we talked about it yesterday on Guy's program. You, you've got members of Congress requesting information, and they're just not getting it. Information that they are entitled to as an equal branch, they're not getting it. Now, all of a sudden, after a year and a half of shutting the border wall, the southern border wall down on day one when it was paid for, uh, who does that? When, when there is a contractor and the money is there, and in some cases they were paying to not build the wall, and the, the, the wall itself, the physical wall itself was purchased and was there. And there was just a very small section that needed to be finished. But no, that stopped on day one. But somehow this wall, the Great Wall, separating San Diego and Tijuana, and there's a whole story to be told. Guy will tell it, I'm sure, in, in the future, uh, about the, the, the legacy of Friendship, Friendship Park that's at risk. Now, there's something to this. Much more straight ahead. This is The Guy Benson Show. From the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today. Poor Guy, who will be back next week. And as you know, the Guy Benson Show offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective blending newsmakers. We're going to prove that in a second uh, with Gordon Chang, who was just awesome. Uh, the Guy Benson Show, one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America. It's a very busy news day. It's the Guy Benson Show. Gordon Chang is here, the author of The Coming Collapse of China. Uh, the first item we're going to talk about, and Gordon, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Great to visit with you again. Thank you, Harry. It's a pleasure. And as you know, the heads of the FBI and Britain's domestic uh, security service, known as MI5, they're offering very – it's not a strongly worded letter to the White Star Line, 
uh, about the Titanic, but very strongly worded uh, communications that we should be concerned about the threat posed by China relative to espionage, which, by the way, is nothing new. There's they're spying all the time. Right. But is this something above and beyond what we're used to, Gordon? Well, certainly China has ramped up uh, espionage against the United States and other countries. And um, really, I think what was important, um, because Christopher Wray, the FBI director, has been talking about this publicly for three or four years. But what was important was, as you mentioned, this was a joint event yesterday with the head of MI5, Ken McCallum. And it signaled that it was not just the United States, not just the U.K., but really it was across um, the West that uh, intelligence agencies are coming together to deal with a Chinese threat, which is, as we talked about, getting um, more and more dangerous all the time. As President Biden fumbles and stumbles, and there was another problem just moments ago with him saying he did something he didn't do, Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey is the one that caught the latest misspeak. We're going to talk about that later in the program, but it's just every day it seems like something is said that just is flat out not true. Is the focus on Russia and other things, is this allowing China just uh, almost like a, a HOV lane? You know, we're all in a traffic jam and China's just waving as they drive by us in the high occupancy vehicle lane. It, it has that feeling to me, Gordon. What are your thoughts? Yes, well, I lived in Southern California, so your analogy really made me chuckle. Um, there, That is true. Um, with Russia, what, um, with what it's done in Ukraine has certainly taken our focus off of China. But in another sense, Harry, it's also made us look at China because China has been supporting the Russian war effort across the board. And, you know, it's not just been the elevated commodity purchases, but it's also been amplifying these Russian propaganda notions. Um, and it's also been the supplying of military intelligence. Um, so these are the things that have now started to get Western intelligence agencies and others to look at China in a different light, because China right now is all in on the wrong side of this war. There was a big, um, I think, uh, anticipation that President Biden was poised and very, very poised to eliminate certain tariffs that were put in place by President Trump. There seems to be, if we believe some of the things we hear, uh, scuttle that we hear about it, that there was significant disagreement, almost like 50-50 disagreement in, in the Biden universe that that's either a very bad idea or let's do it. So that seems to have held it up. Wouldn't that be a terrible idea and portray American weakness? Why would we do that? Yeah, I don't think that we should be waiving the tariffs or removing them. And um, there's a number of reasons for this. Well, first of all, um, it's not going to accomplish what Biden wants. He wants to ease inflation. But sellers don't drop their prices when their costs go down. Sellers drop their prices only when demand for their products goes down. Also, um, Americans have not paid most of these tariffs in reality. The economic burden has fallen on China. China, when these tariffs came in, started paying about four-fifths of the cost by subsidizing Chinese export factories. So by easing the tariffs, China is uh, Biden is essentially helping the Chinese uh, Treasury. And also one other thing, Harry, and that is people forget that these Section 301 tariffs were meant to be a remedy for the theft of U.S. intellectual property. And China has been increasing this theft, as Director Ray talked about yesterday and as he's talked about in the past. 
And if Biden is going to waive tariffs, I think he needs to tell the American public what he intends to do about IP theft. Yeah, good. Very good point. Gordon Chang on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. I hate to say this. I repeat, I hate to say this because I am just through and through pro-American. And I know you are, too. But I believe that Vladimir Putin is eating our lunch right now. We set all these things up that were that were supposed to be punitive in nature. He was going to get hurt economically. He won't even be able to pay things because his whole currency is going to be shut down. Correct me if I'm wrong, Gordon Chang, but Putin's making a fortune with with things being the way they are. He has to be very comfortable. He's he's tightened the, the spigot uh, and the natural gas uh, commodity on Germany. Germany, as you know, is right now firing up coal plants that they uh, not too long ago trashed as something we shouldn't have in the first place. Amazing how you default uh, when trouble like this comes your way. I think Putin is having his way right now, internationally, diplomatically. Am I wrong or am I right? You are right, Harry. And, you know, the point is that although the Russian forces stumbled in the early months of this war, in the last month or so, they've made substantial territorial gains in the eastern part of Ukraine. And so uh, the Ukrainian uh, military is being worn down. Now, that's not to say that Russia will end up with the territories it's taken recently. But, you know, at this point right now, if you're scoring this war, Putin's doing very well. And Ukraine, yeah. although it's a great story, is losing territory. And see, I don't want to do a Joe Biden. He goes away from our country and he, and he trashes the Supreme Court and he trashes our country. But I have to say this. Not only are you absolutely correct, Gordon Chang, I'm going to double down and see what your response is to this. Putin in the beginning did look bad. And and this whole notion where Biden, who's been wrong for 50 years, said it was going to end in 24 to 48 hours. He didn't understand the fight that's within the blood that runs through the veins of Ukrainians. They they fight. And there's a history of Russia having a hard time with Ukraine for many, many years, any time that they have tangled. So I agree. It started out and Putin looked bad. But I think one of the big disadvantages right now is much like Afghanistan was 24 seven and you couldn't get out of its way if you tried. No one's really talking about the uh, the war with Russia and Ukraine. I say that's very good for Putin. Very bad for Zelensky and Ukraine. And one other, my second point that I'm doubling down in on is that President Biden is doing the right thing by helping, but he's not doing enough. So we're actually giving Ukraine sort of an opportunity to have a draw in certain areas, but we're not doing enough to help them win. So who, what's the point? If we're not in to make to have them win, why are we playing for a draw or just to slow down? what could be an inevitable ultimate Russia victory. Your thoughts about that analysis? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Harry. And the point is, this is not just about Russia, because the Chinese are looking at this, and if they believe that the West is incapable of uh, forcing Putin out of Ukraine, then they're going to be saying, well, why don't I go after Taiwan or Japan or the Philippines or whatever? And by the way, at this very moment, China is... Um, engaging in very dangerous conduct in the South China Sea at Second Thomas Shoal, which was part of the Philippines. Right. And it's also engaging in very dangerous conduct in the East China Sea in the Senkakus, which belong to Japan. So the Chinese are seeing the weakness of American foreign policy with regard to Ukraine, and they're thinking they can do what they want in East Asia. 
the brilliant Gordon Chang on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. In the four minutes or so that we have, Gordon, when we have our site, this is an administration to me that really seems to not be able to multitask. They, 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 it's, it's almost like you know somebody that targets. It's like the quarterback that can't look off the defender, so he throws the interception because he's looking right at his one and only target, and so he throws interceptions. While we are fixated on one thing, even though the president will say he's multitasking and he's working the economy and working this and working that, doesn't this really open up, in addition to all the hotspots you mentioned, North Korea to do bad things, Iran that, that hates us. I, I called it once like the Batman villains, if they all got together, what they could do to us. Uh, when we take our eye off of them, aren't they provocative almost every time? Absolutely. And um, next month in Venezuela, uh, Russia, China, Iran, and 10 other bad guys are going to be conducting military drills, large-scale drills. And we're not paying attention to that. And we're not paying attention to a lot of other things that are going wrong in this world right now. So you're, you're right about that, Harry. Wow. I mean, this is, I'll tell you, would you agree this is a very dangerous world and that so much has changed in the last year and a half? And the irony is my former boss, President Trump, in case you don't know that, uh, I know him very well. Uh, he was supposed to be the wild, you know, uh, cat, and we were going to be in all kinds of trouble, and he was going to get us into war and all these things. And Biden was going to be the steady hand with all of this 50 years of experience. He's been abject failure, an absolute disaster. And hasn't the world shifted? It's like the tectonic plates have shifted in the past 18 months. Your comments. Yeah, this moment is the most dangerous in my lifetime, and I'm 71 years old. This is more dangerous than 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's more dangerous than 1961, the Checkpoint Charlie Crisis wow. in Berlin, because we now know that both Khrushchev and Kennedy were not going to use nuclear weapons. We don't know what Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping thinks about the use of these weapons. They've been threatening to use them. They've been doing that at an increased pace in recent months. So this is the most dangerous time after the Second World War. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, Second World War, maybe since the Civil War. I mean, you could just keep going back. Uh, it's, it's a terrible tipping point. And, and I can't help but also worry. You don't hear about it as much now. But is Putin unwell? Because if he's unwell, say, say with cancer or something that people have been talking about, and he did look bad a couple of times, and they had him with that blanket, and nobody else had a blanket on, so he had his blankie, uh, didn't have his bottle or his thumb in his mouth, but he had a blankie. And I'm worried he's, he's not well. And if he's not well, then he's in a rush, like, like Alexander. He's conquering territory. So if he has nothing to lose, he's a very dangerous adversary. And Xi Jinping also um, is somewhat in that situation as well. I mean, we don't know exactly what the health of Putin or Xi Jinping or Kim Jong-un of North Korea or who's ever in charge in Iran. Um, but we do know that these guys are more dangerous than we have seen them ever. So this is something that we have got to look at, not only Russia and Ukraine, but around the world as well. Closing minute. Give us a, a takeaway from where we are right now at this critical tipping point in American history? 
We're a far stronger country than China and Russia and all the rest of them, but we failed to stop Russia from invading Ukraine. The Chinese and others have seen this failure of deterrence, and they're now thinking they can do what they want. So um, one bad mistake, uh, and certainly allowing Putin to invade Ukraine was horrible, is creating a dynamic now that we don't know where it'll end, Harry. We have 30 seconds. How much how important is a course correction? In other words, if the American people decide in their infinite wisdom that, hey, we don't like very much what's been going on for these two years, you know, midterm elections go terrible for the president in power if they're doing okay or even good. This is just totally abject failure. How important is a course correction? November 8th, 2022 is a critical date in 246 years of American history. It is where we save our country. Sir, yes, sir. Gordon Chang, you are the best. Great to visit with you. Thank you so much, Harry. What a, what a, uh, what a brilliant man. We'll be back in just a little bit. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with this wonderful team that I get to work with, Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy Benson, who will be back next week. This issue of Brittany Griner, for some reason, I don't know if it's my love of basketball. Um, I think it's a combination of things. Love of country, uh, compassionate, uh, just care that an American is being held prisoner, in my estimation, unjustly. In Russia, Uh, I am a former basketball official uh, at the uh, elite high school level, uh, so I don't want to overstate the case. I love the game, and I think it's all the above. But I think most importantly, it's that an American is being held captive. And if you know anything about the psychology of this kind of thing, deprivation, being kept away from her wife, her other family members and friends and her freedom taken away. It's very debilitating. Uh, I don't think you have to have had it happen to you to be compassionate about it. I'm not surprised at what happened today. And I'm going to make a prediction on the Guy Benson show. I don't usually, I love making predictions, but I I really love to bring fact-based information. But because certain things are unknown at this point, we do know this. Until Sherelle Griner, Brittany Griner's wife, spoke out in the Gail King CBS interview, uh, and she didn't. She did it in the perfect way uh, because she was asked the direct question, and she says, no, I have not yet heard uh, from President Biden, and I'm disappointed. And that day, she heard from the president and the vice president. Here's my belief, and this is just, it's just spidey senses, tingling, past his prologue. I'm a big believer in that. And so when you see an American plead guilty in a country like Russia. That tells me, and again, there's no solid reporting on this, but I said this yesterday on Guy's program, and I feel it, I feel even stronger about it today with Brittany Griner saying, I'd like to plead guilty, Your Honor. She goes on to say that it wasn't her intent. She didn't want to break the law. But she pled guilty to the charges, and these are charges that could come with them up to 10 years in a Russian prison, and that would not be pleasant. My feeling is that it's not going to go that way. I think that back-channel stuff 
is going on, possibly has been going on, and that she's going to get out of there. And when you do this kind of thing, the host country, if you will, they have to be able to save face so they can say that the person pled guilty. That means the charges that they that they filed against her were just because she pled guilty to them after all. Uh, and we, we know we know that was not a free will and it's not uh, an American culture. It's got to be very, very scary. You don't know what's going on. You're seeing things you don't even know, hearing things you don't even understand. And so she pled guilty. And I think she pled guilty because the deal is done. They can't do it five minutes later. But I think in the relatively near future, we're going to hear that Brittany Griner is coming home. An American plane will be sent. She will get on that plane with uh, whether it's the president. I don't think it will be the president. It could be. He might want to take. He's got bad news everywhere. He might want to take a victory lap on a diplomatic victory. But I see it ending, and it should end this way. She pleads guilty. She never goes back to Russia, and everything will be okay, I hope. We'll be back. Much more. Liz Peek is next on The Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome back. It's the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in. I'm working with this phenomenal team that we call Team Christine. Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Guy will be back uh, next week. Now, this is very simple. If you follow my formula here, you will be a very informed citizen. When Liz Peek writes, I read. When Liz Peek speaks, I listen. Joining us now on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Fox News contributor and foxnews.com columnist Liz Peek. Hello, Liz. Hi, how are you? That's quite an intro. Thank you. You're welcome. Earned. Uh, I'm a fan, and I'm a reader, <laughs> and I'm a listener. Uh, I and I have the privilege. It. Yeah, it's, it's my, my pleasure and my privilege. And I'm looking forward to this discussion because you always bring it, and we have so much to talk about. Let's, let's bring up something that I'm going to talk about further, just very quickly to get a comment. You're not going to be surprised. You've been tracking all of these, and I say they're not gaffes. You know, a gaffe is something that happens once in a while. We all do it. Sometimes we even think we said something different than what we said. But our president, I, don't, I think you're going to agree with me because I think we've talked about this before, Liz. These are not gaffes. These are something else. When the president says during the Medal of Honor ceremony just basically minutes ago, and Peter Ducey caught it, uh, that he brings up the time that he spoke at a commencement address that he delivered at Villanova University. But, Liz, the problem is he never delivered a commencement address in his life ever at Villanova. Peter Ducey caught it. This, this is our president. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I mean, he has this whole fantasy life. Yes. <laughs> he kind of schools out when he needs to connect with people. Uh, he steals other people's speeches when he feels like he, those people might have a better connection to the audience than he does. He makes up totally uh, creative episodes in his life that, yes. that, that never took place. You know, honestly, those things don't bother me as much as the fact that he simply lies. He lies yeah. about so many things. He lies, for example, and, and really at some point the nation's going to have to take this seriously. He has truly lied about his relationship with Hunter Biden, what involvement we have. I mean, Clearly. I know people roll their eyes these days when you bring up when you bring up Hunter Biden and the sort of questionable business 
dealings he's had in countries where really no connected person in the United States should be making business dealings like Ukraine, like China, et cetera, and Russia. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think that's pretty horrifying. I mean, every day when there's a revelation about it, uh, like the videotape of Biden calling his son and saying, hey, I just read the New York Times article, looks like you're in the clear. You know, what is that? I mean, yeah. How, yeah, and and he also knew, he, Liz, he also knew it was coming out in print the next morning. Yeah, uh, so yeah. he's in cahoots with them uh, at that level as well. And I could not yeah. agree with you more. Uh, and, and it was never believable. I know you didn't believe it from second one. I didn't believe it from, from Jump Street. That it was never credible. There is no dad. There is no mom. There's no parent that could ever be yeah. telling, other than a bad parent. Now, if he wants to admit I'm a terrible parent and I hate my children, but he loves his children. And he's very close with his children, and I, I give that to him. It's 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 impossible to believe. And of course, with the laptop, we have something you usually don't get—a treasure trove of evidence. And there's photographs, yeah. as you know, and video. So to say he never met with any of the investors, he never ever talked to his son. That's still the White House line. I, I almost felt terrible for Corinne uh, Jean Pierre because deer in the headlights. And she's telling Fox News, I was going to say our, our Peter Ducey. Fox News is Peter Ducey telling him that we still stand behind that. It's, it's not credible. He, he yeah. definitely talked to his son about all of this. And he's directly involved in it. And I believe it's provable that he's a benefactor of the business yeah. dealings. I, I think all of that will come home to roost. And, you know, I really have mixed feelings about if the Republicans take control of Congress in the fall, which I certainly hope they do, and I think they will, uh, I have mixed feelings about looking backwards. I'm not a fan of looking backwards. And yet this is something that's so egregious, so dishonest, so corrupt. I mean, it's basically corruption at the very heart of our of our government involving the president of the United States. So they tried to throw all kinds of mud at Trump and these ridiculous things about uh, how Ivanka had a clothing line and some of it was manufactured in China and they made a big deal deal out of what is an absolutely normal business relationship. This is really beyond. This is really selling influence. And I think, uh, by the way, uh, Harry, I really think people know this. I mean, uh, Biden's approval and and, uh, honesty ratings have just gone south uh, for the last 15 months. People don't believe him anymore. And, and what's really offensive to me even more than this stuff is, you know, he went on the road to talk about the, his economic achievements uh, on, the, on the 6th of July, a couple of days ago. And he didn't talk about his economic achievements because that would involve some, you know, difficult conversations about inflation and how the job market may be softening and so forth and so on. Instead, he uses these lines like Trump, the, under the Trump presidency, we, uh, no president has ever lost more jobs since Herbert Hoover. And any American who knows anything knows that it was the COVID shutdowns that caused a lot of people to become unemployed. It's so profoundly dishonest to suggest that that is the result of a president's policies. I mean, that kind of makes me sick, honestly. Then I'll talk about cutting $1.7 trillion because uh, there's not the the COVID (laughs) pandemic funding. So come on. If it's not there, you don't need it, and therefore you didn't cut anything. It was a a a once-in-a-hundred-year catastrophe, and and so it was a one-off, and then he uses that. I agree. And the other thing about this, and I know you know this, 
He campaigned that he would be the most honest president, that he would be the most transparent president, and they have been completely dishonest. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100 um, percent. They're well, not transparent even about serious. Oh, no, ahead, that's right. They're, no, no, they're, they're not transparent about the little things and are also not transparent and truthful about the big things. So they're just really I call them liars who lie about lying. It's really bad, and it's it's they, they they say that Trump was dishonest. We've never seen anything like this. It's unbelievable. So without spoiling your column, because I want people to read your latest um, Fox News opinion editorial uh, that talks about the Biden presidency looking out of control, uh, and that it could actually could it could it get worse? I mean, he has a ten percent right track approval rating, eighty seven percent wrong track, which as you know. If we do the math, hard math is real easy. That's a lot of Democrats in there, a lot of Democrat-leaning yeah. independents in there, and then Republican-leaning independents and Republicans, 87 to 10. In my yeah. lifetime, and I'm just a youngster, though, in my lifetime, I've never witnessed numbers like he is achieving. No. It's, it's historic. And you remember, he was desperate to be a historic president. Yes. He had all these historians come to the Oval Office to tell yeah. him how. Yeah. I don't think this is what they had in mind. It's not just uh, right track, wrong track for the country. Things like consumer sentiment. Consumer sentiment about near-term economic opportunity is the worst in history. Think about that, because Mm. we've been through some pretty tough times in this country, including periods where people couldn't get a job. I tell you, the one thing I say about, you know, can it get worse? Wait till the job market goes away. I I don't mean it's going to go to zero, obviously. But right now, any able-bodied person, any person of any kind who wants to get a job can get a job. Now, it, that may not last. Already we're seeing some reversals in terms of the frantic hiring that took place in tech. Uh, we're also seeing some indication that big box retailers are going to start laying off people. If companies begin to think, which has been the big issue, that they can rehire people, that they can lay off people safely, and rehire them in the fall if business turns up again, you're going to see a slew of layoffs because everybody is overstaffed. Inventories are rising. Uh, The reason the stock market's going up is because everyone thinks the economy is sinking, and it is. And the upshot of that that's positive is less inflation, fewer rate hikes perhaps. Maybe the Fed begins to turn the corner sooner rather than later. But that's not a great uh, outlook for the president, because the one thing he no. can talk about right now is that there's still a very tight job market. But you know what? I think that's changing. I think you're right. I, I mean, this inflation is a killer. And the jobs, yeah. if they if the employers can't handle the number of employees they have, we know what that that, that, that supply and demand. It's going to be that's what it's exactly going to be. Right. And I think you're right. I think it's trending in a very scary direction. So uh, under the heading of can it get worse, which is part of your column? Yes, <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, it can get worse. See what you can do with this one, Liz, because you've covered all this stuff for, for uh, quite a few presidencies. And I know it's a meat grinder and turnover happens because it's these are tough jobs and, and people get burned out. But having said that, in less than 18 months, Biden staffers are leaving his White House three times the rate than under Trump and Obama. That means something, Liz Peek. I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I think it's interesting because this is supposedly a professional group, right? right? In other words, you know, this isn't Trump. Trump came into I – don't, I don't think people realize how thinly staffed, how skeletal was his campaign crew – 
Trump didn't have folders of people. Remember no. how Mitt Romney had folders of women? Yep. yep. Trump didn't have any folders of anybody because no. very few people signed on to his campaign. He had no p- politically sort of, uh, you know, kind of well-seasoned staffers coming into the White House. This guy, Biden, all he's ever done has been a, a campaigner and been a politician. And he was in the White House for eight years. Yep. He should have moved into the Oval Office with an entirely fleshed out staff of really competent people. He did not do that, partly because his number one objective was to have the most diverse uh, staff and cabinet in history. Well, okay, good for him. He's accomplished that. But I'll tell you what, they're not very competent. You have infighting all over the place. Kamala Harris, obviously, is a disaster in terms of her office. I mean, the people have already left that sinking ship months ago. But the fact that there is such turnover, and again, compared to Trump, that's pretty astonishing. I think it just suggests failure. Uh, nobody really wants to be attached to uh, Joe Biden right now. A lot of these are young people. They have their lives in front of them. The last thing they want to do, it's like, frankly, it's, I mean, I remember the days when Jimmy Carter was president. Mm-hmm. I had friends in the Jimmy Carter White House. Let me tell you, that was the end of their political career. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah know, career they ender, they anywhere. call it. Career ender. <laughs> And that's, don't, don't you don't you agree this? I wasn't even going to go here, but you're so correct about that. This is so eerily similar to the 1970s, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. And I, I actually I credit myself with writing the first piece, pointing out all these similarities, which was just a couple of months after Biden was elected, because uh, for one thing, because the amount of spending he was doing absolutely was guaranteed to ignite, ignite inflation, something we hadn't seen in a very long time, because Joe Biden was a weak president, and I'm absolutely convinced that our adversaries would note that, uh, would take advantage of that. I I firmly believe, and my guess is you do too, Harry, that if Trump were in the White House, Putin would never have gone uh, into Ukraine. I just think he would have been scared to to do that. No way, no no way. And we have four years proof. It didn't happen then, did it? That's right. That's and it happened right. very shortly after Trump was gone. You couldn't be more correct about that. Oh, my gosh, it's gone so fast. We have about a minute. We could probably stretch it about a minute and a half. <laughs> the, the, I want to get into this, though, because Democrats uh, in Ohio, uh, Ryan, and you would remember the, who's the governor candidate, uh, Nan uh, Wally. Wheatley. Uh, Wheatley yeah. or Wally. I think it's Wally. I don't know. Yeah. Wally or one of us is right. Um, they didn't want to be seen with him in the same state. And we're going to be seeing this. Anywhere that's not like California or some crazy woke area, Democrats are not going to want to be seen with the president of the United States. It's going to get ugly, isn't it? They're, they're running. By the way, Fetterman, remember when he uh, yes. was competing in Pennsylvania, he didn't yes. want to show up with the president. It, it, it's happening all over the place. The guy is toxic. Uh, and people, uh, by the way, ask yourself this. When was the last time you heard a Democrat campaigning on Build Back Better? That's become a joke line. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear about Build Back Better. Uh, so, uh, you know, nothing's going to get better right away. I think um, I think that the midterms are kind of locked in right now. Uh, I hope so. I think the GOP has a tremendous opportunity. And, oh, boy, oh, boy, yeah. does the country need to win yeah. back the Senate and the House. The House is over the Senate. Unfortunately, it depends on Herschel Walker in Georgia. It depends yeah. on Dr. Oz in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You tell me that we win at least one of those if you're a Republican, and I think it's in hand, and Republicans will be at like 51, 49, something like that. But if we have a total wave election, 
uh, this could be very stunning, and, and it could be 53-47 even. But I'm thinking along the lines of it's going to be really tight in the Senate, comfortable win in the House. And isn't it provable now, Liz, we've got to go in 30 seconds, hard break. Isn't it provable that red states are winning in the post-pandemic huh. economy? I mean, it proved that the Democrats, sure which strangled their own economy, were wrong. Yeah, on so many fronts, though. I mean, Harry, you and I can spend an hour talking about policy differences. Red states are winning. All you have to do is look at where people are moving. Yep, it's true. And then they go and vote, though, the way that they voted in the state that was broken that they had to leave. It's, it's, it's cognitive dissonance. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Nuts. Great now, to visit with you. You know, anyway, the good news is the red states are winning more seats in Congress, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I think that's going to continue. Your pen is sharp and your uh, spoken word talent is uh, fantastic. Great to be with you, Liz. Uh, All the best. Keep going. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Real honor. We'll be back. Don't go away. Oh, we've got an interesting topic coming up next, uh, too, actually. Derek Chauvin and President Biden and Peter Ducey, what he uncovered. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan, Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy Benson, who will be back next week. We have two items that we're going to close this hour out with, and uh, the second one is just absolutely just the latest um, very, very concerning, the, the, the president and things that he says that are just provably false. It's, it's beyond scary at this point. First, we'll talk about Derek Chauvin, who obviously was sentenced previously at a lower court level uh, to quite a term uh, and now has been sentenced to 21 additional years in federal prison for civil rights violations. And the first question I had of this esteemed team here on The Guy Benson Show is, would these be consecutive or would they be concurrent? Because if he got hit with 20-some years out of the box at the lower-level court and then an additional 21 years at the federal level, and you this does happen to people, you get told you have to serve this sentence first and then you come to us, to this prison, and you do this one. Now, they also have the ability, and that would be consecutively, which is a nightmare to any um, prisoner because you're not working off both at the same time. He got concurrent sentencing, so he'll basically work off both sentences at the same time. It's a, it's a lucky break. Could have turned out differently. Now, on the President Biden situation, It's really beyond most people's ability to comprehend at this point. But I do attribute a lot of it to uh, just what appears to be uh, just a mental acuity issue. But you have to remember, though, he he was caught plagiarizing. He has had a lengthy career of saying things that are just flat out untrue and provable. And Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey caught him today today. Joe Biden never could have delivered a commencement address, but yet he has these full stories of one of his nuns was getting her doctorate and all these things. None of that could be true because he never delivered the address. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. 
It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back on uh, Monday next week. Guy Benson, as you know, offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective, blending major newsmakers, which we're going to prove in just a second, including a steady stream of Fox News all-stars along with passionate and informed monologues. The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America Thank you for joining us on a very busy news day. It's the Guy Benson Show. And on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist extraordinaire, Fox News contributor, and author of Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide. Miranda, welcome to Guy's program. Thanks so much, Harry. Great to be with you. Great to be with you. And I've never asked you this question before, so I want to ask it out of the box here. And I'm I'm not suggesting that you need to be vindicated, because I said from the beginning, I knew who was telling the truth and I knew who was lying while people were getting deplatformed and all kinds of things were going on. And the truth was a lie and the lie was the truth. I believed in your reporting. I knew that uh, your reporting would sustain scrutiny. It would have to because it was a Biden protection program going on. And if if they could have discredited it, they would have discredited it. But having said all that. Do you feel vindicated because so many lies were told about you, your reporting, and you were always telling the truth? You never changed your story. Your your truth was the truth. The information was unambiguous. But do you feel vindicated because look what look what they were doing in the name of just trying to win at at all costs? Uh, what do you think about that? And Dan, did we lose Miranda? Okay. And Miranda, I hope I hope that you heard my question, and Dan will let me know when we have you back. I just think it's a good starting point. Miranda Devine came out with an incredibly important story that in any other era in American history would have been an October surprise. Not that she was not being political. She was not being strategic. She had incredible information that she obtained through hard work, honest reporting, good sourcing, and the information, you think about this, with the entire Democrat media trying to protect President Biden, Miranda Devine's truth has stood up. And Miranda, I know we got disconnected for a moment, so I'll just say quickly to you, not that you needed to be vindicated, but do you feel vindicated with all the lies that were told about you, your reporting, and, and your reporting has stood up to any and all scrutiny? Yeah, look, Harry, it's not really vindication because we always knew that what we were reporting was the truth. Half the country knew that it was the truth, and um, that was because of the material that was coming out, because of the very credible people like Tony Bobolinsky who were confirming the material, um, and because Chuck 
John, Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson had produced documents that also confirmed and buttressed the material on the laptop. So there was just incontrovertible evidence that uh, this influence peddling scheme that Joe Biden and his family were running was corrupt and was antithetical to America's best interests and to national security. So it's not really vindication, it's just continued befuddlement that there would be half the country, half the media that are willing to be the tools of the Democratic Party, that are willing to be willfully blind to cover for what we saw and have shown was corruption on the part of the Biden family. Is there any doubt in your mind, Miranda, though, that they knew it was true, they always knew it was true, but getting Trump out, getting Biden in, I think it was more getting Trump out. I think Biden was their empty vessel, to be honest, but Mm. they wanted Trump out so bad they could not allow this. In any other time in American history, this would have been an October surprise or whatever you want to call it, it would have come out. It would have ended that candidate's uh, chance of winning. And they weren't willing to do that. I I think that's it sounds like an opinion statement, but I think it's pretty provable. Look, I think that's right. I I, I would put it a slightly different way. Um, And, you know, this is from having talked to, uh, you know, people from uh, sort of left-leaning media, you know, journalists who I respect, and just ask them why on earth didn't they follow this up? And there, it is understandable. I mean, it was only three weeks before the election. Um, the, the Well, hold on, laptop... hold on, Miranda, hold on. They didn't care uh, on the whatever it was, the Thursday before the election. Exactly. When there was a DUI on President George W. Bush, candidate Bush well, at that time. They had twice. Right. They had what? Three, three times as much time to process this. Yes, that's true. But there's also look. It, it's that there was no will, but they had a lot of excuses not to follow it up, and that was because they had convinced themselves. They themselves, the journalists, had Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah. So they thought that anybody associated with Donald Trump, uh, Rudy Giuliani, or you know Steve Bannon, anybody like that that had touched or had anything to do with the hard drive. Uh, they then felt that the whole thing was suspect and they weren't going to touch it and they didn't have enough time to run it down and so on. Now, I would accept that sort of very prudent journalistic behaviour if it applied across the board, if they hadn't been so quick to follow up on, you know, the P-tape and um, all the scurrilous Russia collusion lies, the Alpha Bank lies that were concocted about Donald Trump and that were on their face preposterous. I mean, the Steele dossier was a joke. It was like it had been written as a joke. And in fact, we found out later it was concocted around a you know, a few beers with a few mates. Yeah. It was a joke. See so that, Miranda, that's why quiet. That's why I think that the comment I made is fitting because these are people that would usually be intellectually interested, and they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, what mm-hmm. about this whole long list of 50-some people? You would know probably the exact number. Leon Panetta and all these former CIA directors and FBI people and other very, very impressive you know, uh, people that held titles that all signed that letter that said that this Hunter uh, Biden laptop computer is Russia propaganda, that it's not true. What about them? Were they blatantly lying? Are they incompetent? A uh, combination of both? I mean, what about them? 
Yes, there were 51 former intelligence officials and they really played a critical role in suppressing the Post stories and basically giving Joe Biden cover before the 2020 election. Uh, They've never been brought to account. They are people like, in fact, John Brennan, the former CIA director, organised this letter. Leon Panetta, as you said, Mike Hayden, um, the former acting CIA director, Mike Morell, James Clapper... I mean, that was very disqualifying stuff. Very disqualifying. And they should not have – they definitely should not still have security clearances. Many of them do. And we – thank goodness that actually former President Donald Trump is trying to bring them to account. He has a lawyer who is systematically going through and asking – every one of these agencies that these people had worked for, uh, why they didn't um, force on them a what, what is normally meant to happen is uh, basically having a, uh, a having it vetted for security uh, operations because they can't use their the great authority of their former officers without having every single um, piece of sort of political or classified uh, related information cleared by their former agencies but that would have taken more than the four days it took them to come out with yep. this letter. And therefore, Joe Biden would not have been able to wave it around at the debate against Donald Trump and basically make the story go away. Because all those complicit media that you talked about that didn't want to run with this story, that found it distasteful and it went against what they wanted, they were able to use this letter as a fig leaf. And uh, and we know one of these guys, a former CIA officer who signed the letter, a guy called John Cipher, even boasted on Twitter that he took special pride in, he said, quote, personally swinging the election away yeah. from Trump. Yeah. So, and, and Miranda, uh, do we, have, are, we, doing. are we in agreement that if you changed none of the facts and laptop from hell was Trump and Donald Trump Jr., who I know, and his father I worked for, and Eric Trump and Ivanka, if they were all in this laptop uh, with all these nefarious things, if one of the Trump children was a crack-smoking, weirdo, prostitute, you know, uh, associations and the whole deal, I don't even want to get into the latest thing I saw with whatever that float tank thing was for sensory deprivation and his crack pipe, and I don't even want to talk about what he was, what he was doing in there. So if you just switch the names, do you agree with me? This would have been market saturation level, 24-7, nonstop, pedal to the metal. They would have crushed the Trump family. It would have been um, there would have been at least one impeachment. Uh, you know, Adam Schiff, and he would have he yep. would have started enacting some of those videos in Congress. Probably um, they would have held a you know a, a, a another Star Chamber committee hearing. Yep. They would have had ABC producers come in and produce you know a, a, a melange of these videos. Yeah. They would have done whatever it took to humiliate Donald Trump and his family and drive him out of office on the basis of this. And look, it's really got no, the, the, the sort of salacious material on the laptop is beside the point. What's really important in the laptop is the evidence there that indicates that Joe Biden could be 
compromise, yes. especially when it comes to China. Yep. And, you know, the longer his administration goes on with their softly, softly approach to China compared to the Trump administration, unwinding yeah. various policies on, say, TikTok uh, and other security uh, How about sanctions? Measures. What if the president got sanctions. his way on sanctions? It's crazy. All right, we have th- Miranda, we have three minutes. Trade. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we have three minutes. I want to cover two important topics at least. One is your take on Corrine Jean-Pierre saying she won't discuss the Biden voicemail, even called it alleged uh, to P- Fox News's Peter Ducey. Uh, that was extraordinary. I mean, they've they've talked about so many political things. Then she even referred him to Peter Ducey was referred to Hunter Biden. I mean, are you kidding me? He was asking about the president's role uh, role of being on that tape and saying, I think you're in the clear. And obviously that proves that he has had discussions with his son about his business dealings and they just kick it away like it doesn't apply to them. Well, it's not sustainable for the White House to keep stonewalling and ignoring this problem for Joe Biden. The laptop is not going away. And, uh, I mean, Corinne Jean-Pierre is just doing what her predecessor, Jen Psaki, did yeah. uh, very effectively. She managed to push it to the curb, get away with saying to reporters, this has got nothing to do with the White House. Go and talk to Hunter Biden's lawyer. However, this is to do with the president. Exactly. It's the voicemail of the president talking to his son about his overseas business dealings when he specifically said that he didn't know anything about them. Yep. So, uh, and, and, you know, that's just one question. The other questions that need to be asked of Corinne Jean-Pierre and the president is, why are you going soft on China? Why did you... Like give away the, you know, you were supposed to empty, drain the strategic petroleum reserve, which was a bad idea. But that was supposed to help Americans, not help China. You're not supposed to send that off to China. Why are you doing things like that? Why, when China is out to destroy America, are you doing everything you can to help them? So So, those are questions that need to be asked. And the White House can't continue on like this. It's going to reach a crescendo, and they need to have a strategy to deal with it. Final minute, Miranda, and you have a column that I want to end today's uh, visit with. Did reefer, marijuana, for those I think most know the term reefer, did reefer drive the Highland Park parade killer Robert Grimo to madness? what, What is your take on this? Well, look, the fact is that we know that uh, there is so much scientific evidence that cannabis in susceptible adolescents uh, can trigger psychosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that there's a mental health crisis in this country, and we know that uh, as as basically marijuana gets legalised and it becomes more available and kids are using it, and particularly there's a mental illness problem uh, that was exacerbated by COVID. And we know that this guy, this killer, this monstrous killer uh, in Chicago, um, in Highland Park, he was a pothead, um, stoner, and uh, I, I just think we should be looking at that. I mean, Chicago has the strongest or among the strongest gun policies in the country. That's all we ever seem to talk about. Yeah. Why don't we talk about mental health? Why don't we talk about one of the exacerbating features of mental health, which is drugs? Read Miranda Devine, and uh, it's, it's really important what you're sharing there. Uh, thank you for a great visit, and have a good day. Thank Thanks you, so much, Harry. You're welcome.
Great to be with you. We'll be right back. I can't even believe what we're going to be talking about on The Guy Benson Show next. The National Education Association, many people know it as the NEA, they are torturing the English language. Wait until you hear how they're doing it next on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy Benson, who will be back next week. Two items that we want to cover in the couple of minutes that we have, and then we have some actual fun in the happy hour coming up uh, in a little bit as well. But really, really stunning. Uh, Listen to this, and we'll get one of the items in, and we'll get two more important items in a little bit later in tonight's program. But the National Education Association, Teachers Union, they are proposing a resolution to change the word mother to birthing parent. And we've just got to stop this. It, it is madness times infinity. It's just got it's got to end. This has nothing to do with respecting any other, whether it be LGBTQ or anything else, the, in, the, in the entire recorded history of the world, babies are born and birthed by a mother, not a birthing person. If you change the word, you have to have some agenda behind it. Either you don't like the word mother, or are you suggesting that someone other than a woman could have a baby? It's got to stop. They just have to stop with this. It's it's going too far. This is not about being tolerant. This is not about any objection to any type of inequity that you might believe exists in our great country. Hate to see where our, how our country is criticized when we're the greatest, freest nation in the history of the world. But for the NEA to be proposing a formal resolution to change the word mother to birthing parent is completely it should be completely unacceptable to Americans. It it really is. I think it's an insult to mothers. It's it's just not good and it's really a bad use of the NEA's money and, and their time. We will be back in just a little bit. This is the Guy Benson Show. Don't go away. Much more important content straight ahead. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back next week. This is so outrageous, and I have no doubt that it was the public pressure brought to bear. Fox News on it, uh, doing a great job in covering this, and others in the media, uh, Democrat media, I didn't hear a peep from. How do you put a guy, a hardworking convenience store employee, his name is Jose Alba, how do you put this guy in jail even before the grand jury meets next week? How do you put him in jail and you assign to him a a $250,000 bond, which he can't raise? He's at Rikers Prison, which um, if you know anything about that, you don't want to be there. 
I'm not putting the prison down. I'm just putting the notion of being in prison when you did nothing but defend yourself by all accounts. So a judge has lowered the bail, thankfully. This was disproportionate, in my estimation, to everything, to reality, to the law. And this DA of Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, just a disgrace. If you're listening, sir, you are a, a public disgrace. When you look at the violent criminals that Alvin Bragg has been so lenient towards, and look, I understand that some of the video, they unfortunately go off the camera, and you can't see some of what goes on. But what you can see, I think it's very clear. He's behind the counter where he belongs, and the assailant is behind the counter where he doesn't belong. And there's so much evidence for me as a layperson to say that this is, it's, it's tragic. I mean, a, a loss of life is always tragic. But for me, there's enough evidence that this is a death that happened in total self-defense. So fortunately, the judge lowered the bail. Uh, fortunately, they're able to post the bail, which, because now it's $50,000, the family and his boss came up with the $5,000 that was needed. Uh, the first reporting that we saw on this, Dan and I, was the New York Post coverage of one hour ago. And we, we knew that in this segment we would be speaking about it to update you if you hadn't heard about it and to add context if, even if you had. Uh, so this never should have happened. I don't think this case should ever be presented to a grand jury. But you can see they dropped the hammer on who they want. And then they go lenient on who they want. And they're just wrong every single time. You know, initial reporting on this, if, if you didn't have Fox News, Fox News Channel and Fox News Radio, you could only go to the United Kingdom to even get this. It was like there was some kind of blackout on it. Let me put the New York Post, in fairness, uh, in, into the good column of the ledger because they, they were reporting on it, to be fair. Uh, but the, it just it's remarkable, and it is in keeping with why hopefully Gascon will be recalled in Los Angeles and what they did in San Francisco and what they should do elsewhere because these woke prosecutors of, of sort of a George Soros type of philosophy of governance, which is to be very lenient on violent offenders, and for some reason they – relentlessly drop the hammer when it fits a certain narrative that they don't like. It's a shame. Uh, this man should not have done a second's time in jail. And let me tell you, this agenda is so bad. Why would GoFundMe remove this man's $20,000 legal fund? What, who decides this is America? The, he's not even indicted. And if he is indicted, that word doesn't mean conviction. That word means stands accused, charged. And this is a country where you are innocent until proven guilty. You're not guilty and have to prove that you're innocent. So why would GoFundMe take down the $20,000 legal fund? But I guarantee you if Hunter Biden had a GoFundMe page, it would stay up until the end of time. They pick and choose winners and losers. And it's really, really disgraceful. Here is a second story. It's absolutely over the moon 
wacky. And honestly, if it didn't come from our team, I would question, how can this be possible? You're telling me that the official spokesperson for the president of the United States, the press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, actually said, quote, we are stronger economically than we have ever been in history. Let me take the word ever out of it. We are stronger economically than we have been in history. Now, my goodness, how is it possible that that could be said from the lectern, the podium of the press briefing room inside the White House, something so incredibly dishonest and so that you can hear it with your own ears? Dan, cut number 36, please. We look at where we are economically, and we are in a strong, uh, we are stronger economically than we have been uh, in history. When you look at the unemployment numbers at 3.6 percent, when you look at the jobs numbers, uh, more than 8.7 million of of new jobs created. So you see the difference, though. We played you the entire context. A lot of people on the other side, they clip stuff like they do to President Trump when the next sentence he says is, Uh, something that would be exculpatory or exonerating or support him. They just cut that out. You could do that to anyone. Rearrange the words any way you want them to be and say that somebody said what you want them to say or leave off something that's a half beat later, half step later, half second later, that would completely change anyone's opinion that would hear a certain audio cut. We didn't just end it with her saying it's the greatest economy in the world. I mean, you heard her talk about a few different indices. Those words are, in my view, completely dishonest. We are not stronger economically than we have been in history. And if you want to pull out one indice, I mean, that would be like if the stock market is tanking and you found one company, one stock that was up, you say the stock market is up today. Well, no, you have to say one company was up today. So you heard it without it being sliced and diced. You heard the justification to the first part. It does not compute. I don't know anyone that is intellectually honest that would accept with any explanation that followed that we are stronger economically than we have been in history. No. Nope. Nobody believes it because everybody knows what they're paying for a price of a gallon of gasoline People know that if they dare let their tank go near empty, they're, they're pulling a $100 bill out of their pocket or ringing up a credit card with a $100 or thereabouts charge. People know that. People know they used to be able to go to any big box store and pick up a rotisserie chicken for $4.99, probably anywhere in the country, sometimes cheaper than that, never more expensive than that. I heard Stuart Varney with uh, Brian Kilmeade on the Fox News channel say he paid, I think it was in the neighborhood of 13 to $15. I can't remember which, but we're talking about basically triple. Now, he said it was a good size rotisserie chicken, so we want to, you know, again, be fair and, and give him that. Uh, but come on. The American people know what's going on. There's nobody that you could actually have a serious conversation with 
in any informal setting, in any neighborhood setting, in any PTA meeting, any local meeting whatsoever, any gathering, if somebody tried to pull that on you, it would not. It would not sell. In fact, people would probably flip out and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Everything is two times, three times or more expensive than it was about a year and a half ago. You know, the new trick is, and I saw it the other day, I bought something that used to be 32 ounces, and it's now 28 ounces, and it's more expensive, much more expensive than it used to be when it was 32 ounces. So now you get less and pay more. Nobody's believing, and I have to tell you, I hope they push back on that a whole bunch because that statement, we are stronger economically than we have been in history, is really disturbing at so many levels. We'll be back. Don't go away. Much more straight ahead. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan, Harry Hurley, and thank goodness it's the happy hour and we're going to do something happy because I was going to lose my charging privileges at the mess hall canteen because uh, we were talking about some pretty hot hot stuff during the happy hour. We are joined by executive producer Christine and associate producer Wyatt. Christine picked this topic. I absolutely love it. And we're going to be talking about Anson Williams, a.k.a. Potsy. And he doesn't run from that. He has announced his bid for mayor of Ojai, California. Christine, I love this topic you picked. You open things up. I had a feeling that you were going to like this. Now, let's be – Guy, Harry, likes to say how old I am, <laughs> that I'm the oldest of the group. Oh, boy. Now, now – <laughs> Happy Days ran from 1974 to 1984. I was born in 81, so I wasn't watching this, you know, in the first go-round. But, of course, I watched the reruns. And, I mean, that's where the first time my crush of Scott Baio came. When Chachi. He, when he loved Chachi. Uh, yes. Joni loved him. Remember? Lo- yeah, and it was a spinoff <laughs> show. Joni loves Chachi. Yes, but I sure loved Happy Days. And I saw this story, and I'm like, Harry must have loved this show. Oh, my gosh. I I was – go on. Positively, absolutely. And as Fonzie would say, hey. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, yes, uh, Christine, I love the show. I love the show in first run. And you think about all the famous people from uh, Ron Howard, who became, as everybody knows, an uber – you know, talented director. I mean, one of the best uh, of the past 20, 30 plus years. Uh, Anson Williams Potsy running for mayor. It reminds me of Sonny Bono from Sonny and Cher yep. becoming a member <laughs> of Congress. And I met him uh, when we did our show from the bowels of the Congress, when our congressman, Frank Lobiondo at the time, now Jeff Andrew Lobiondo, was the next door neighbor to Sonny Bono. And I know that Christine and the team at least know of and Christine, I suspect you know the show The Love Boat, Fred Grandy, gopher, became a member of Congress. So I think it's pretty cool sometimes when these TV or entertainment people take a, a, a little, uh, you know, try at electoral politics. I, I think that Potsy could likely win. I don't know what the competition is. I don't know if he's a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, I don't know if it's nonpartisan. I don't know anything about it. But 
his name recognition is huge. Very likable guy. I think he's got a good chance to win. You never know. And like you said, I mean, look at uh, Ronald Reagan. He was yes. an actor before yes. he came, became the governor, before he uh, became the president. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, that didn't go so well for him, I don't think. I'm not sure the people of California loved him as the governor, but it's the same thing. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of times there's actors that or people in television that go on to become politicians. No doubt about it. And sometimes they'll just give you a chance because you're famous. I think it's a little harder now than maybe in days gone by because I think the mood of America right now is a bit dour. So they might say, oh, my gosh, Potsy wants to be my mayor. I don't know about that. Uh, but I, I don't think I think the net net is it's a positive. Now, who would you want to see like a famous actor run for something big? Because I've got a good one. OK, let's see. Um I would like to see Tom Selleck in office. Oh, oh, I would vote for him. See, I suspect he would be conservative, uh, which means he would be reasonable, uh, because if you started picking out some of these wild lefties, I mean, the philosophy of governance you would get would be wild. I think that Tom Selleck would be outstanding. I I like that one. I'm going to go even bigger. I want to see for president The Rock. Well, you know, he's floating that a little bit. I know. Yeah. I know. And then don't forget Matthew McConaughey had floated around. He did. Um, governor of Texas, which, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised maybe next go around or down the road, especially. Remember, he comes from Uvalde. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him getting more and more active in politics, especially after that shooting from his hometown. All right. All right. All right. I agree. <laughs> and I think I, I was happy he stayed out this time because if this – field would have been Governor Abbott, Matthew McConaughey, and Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke might have snuck in there. Oh, stop that. I'm just oh, saying the, the math would have been, I think, a problem because Matthew McConaughey would have crossover appeal and it would pull. I think that maybe most conventional thinkers would say that McConaughey and Beto O'Rourke would pull from the similar voter. But McConaughey, in everything that he talked about— He's pro-gun rights. Uh, I, he doesn't espouse wild uh, socialist Democrat philosophy. So I think it, two of the same. My friend Ollie North, who was Grif, Griff Jenkins' boss at one time, yeah. my friend Ollie told me when he lost, unfortunately, to Senator Robb, Chuck Robb, two of the same can't beat one of the same. A mayor named Marshall Coleman jumped in the race as a spoiler to knock Ollie out, out and he said to me, Two of the same, can't beat one of the same. So I'm happy. I like Matthew McConaughey a lot. I'm happy he stayed out of this one because I think it would have been trouble. I think you're right, too. I think right now they need Abbott to stay where he is and become and stay the governor. Now, one question for you, because this was somebody I always thought that was going to run for president, truly believed it. Don't think it's probably going to happen anymore, but. And don't make fun of me, because I know Guy would make fun of me right now. I thought Oprah was going to run for president. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not going to make fun of you. And what if I said to you, executive producer Christine, you may still be proven correct. There is, I mean, nobody wants Biden to run. The Democrats do not want him to run. They're actually even willing to take 
a fresh look at Hillary, believe it or not. And oh, I, I just I just threw up in my mouth a second. So I'm glad <laughs> that both Christine and Wyatt are here to take the to, my, to take the microphone from me uh, because I was painful saying that. But Oprah, she might run still. That's you no joke. So I, I feel like the time may have. I mean, I'm not saying she's too old, but because obviously if Hillary was going to run again. But I don't know. I feel like she she probably would have done it already. Well, maybe not, though. Uh, she's 68 years old as we speak. Now, when you look at the president oh, and his age mm. now, uh, she is a puppy. Uh, so there's no no issue there with her age. Very seasoned, very experienced, extraordinarily self-made, multi-billionaire, media mogul, started her own channel, took over Weight Watchers, uh, has been a success basically with everything that she's done. She she I have to tell you, I want you to be wrong about that because <laughs> she would be very formidable if she ran. Oh, I think so. But I think her name recognition isn't as powerful as it once was, especially when she first got off that show. I think it's a little different now. If you ask the kids, I'm not sure they they know the power of Oprah like we do. I think she's still big, though, and she does have that platform and she's been out there for a long time. The music executive producer, Christine, says we have to leave. Thank you for having me. And uh, you have a great show. Privilege to work with you. Thank you, Harry. You're welcome. This is The Guy Benson Show. Hey! This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.